You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast. I'm Michael from Arizona, and with me are my good friends, Jay from the hills of Texas. And A.K. Mike in Texas. And how goes it? Pretty good. It's going pretty good since you're sitting right next to me. I know, right? (laughs) So we're pretty excited. I was able to come down to Texas and kind of play in Jay's playroom here and get some planes fixed and we've been playing we've been well i i will say it's been like uh class with uh az mike it's true. part part classroom part hands-on experience i feel like i'm like one of those truck drivers learn how to be learn how to be a truck driver <laughs> you know in in three weeks or you sure. know three days actually <laughs> getting crammed with all this information learning the rules of the road um, but no, seriously, we, we've been, uh, you've been cranking out on my planes and, uh, we got to go flying, uh, today, I think. And, uh, mm-hmm. not, I think we did. Um, I did mostly mowing, uh, but anyway, but we, we got to try a few things and we had some successes and some failures, um, more failures than successes. So hopefully it'll be better our next time out, but I guess we can get in that later. This is AZ Mike's new Plane building class, and you too can get a license in two weeks. <laughs> I was going to get my dental hygiene for dogs, and then I saw his ad. <laughs> wow, that's just amazing! You guys are throwing me under the bus this week. So, what was the um, what was the first thing that we did? Um, the first thing that we worked on, um, I think you were giving me just some basic demos in glassing. I, okay. So I got a plane uh, a couple of weeks ago off of a a gentleman named Juan uh, down in San Antonio off of the Craigslist. And, um, it it was a key cat and I, well, we think it's a key cat. Uh, we we're still researching what plane it is, but anyway, um, he had the plane. He, he had he had a, ED, a ninety millimeter EDF on it. Flew it with a five five thousand milliamp six cell. Uh, so I tried to replicate what he had. And you came out and you happened to have a, a couple of ninety millimeters that I could try as I was trying to figure out you know what KV and whatever I wanted to use on it. Um, but it had a lot of holes on it. There was a couple of things I didn't like. I wasn't sure where when the EDF sat above you know because the, the EDF sits in the back of the of the plane. Uh, the canopy and the whole fuselage kind of blocks it. And I thought, well, we might need to put some vents. The EDF kind of goes into the body or the, into the fuselage of the plane. And I was afraid that, you know, it might suck something up from inside the plane or it didn't look aesthetic. So I kind of gave my worries to you. And, and I was thinking, well, we might have to, like, fabricate some ducts out of fab- fiberglass. And that kind of started us off in our little adventure. That's true. We, um took a look at it the edf sits on top of the uh key cat and then um you know i was kind of trying to figure out an idea and i looked at it and i thought maybe i could make a little v pattern that brought air into it um and then you know how do we cover this hole so this was a good opportunity to kind of jump in there and use basically balsa wood uh and put a little fiberglass coating on it and uh, go from there yeah, and so I, I definitely got to, I had some very bad misconceptions about, about balls, you know, fiberglassing. So one of the things I thought it was, I don't know, it was kind of a mystery to me. Even though I've watched a million YouTube videos of people doing it, and when I was back in Alaska, I had an opportunity to uh, meet a real true craftsman, but I never got a chance to get hands-on with, I, you know, I brought a couple of projects. In fact, some landing gear viewers that were fiberglassed, I brought to him and he, you know, fixed them up and stuff. But I, I never got to sit with him and see, you know, to see how he did it. So it was still like magic, right? I would mm-hmm. just give him a broken part, he'd come back and it'd be, well, it'd be new. <laughs> but I didn't know how he did it. I didn't know if he was, you know, shaking the chicken bones. I, I didn't know what he was doing. So it was, I got to dispel my fears because I was kind of afraid of it, right? It just was like this magic black magic that i didn't know about but yeah, it, sure. but it kind of reminded me of when i first started 
you know, flying park flyers, you know, you crash a plane off a little foamy and then, you know, you had to repair it or buy a new one. And so a lot of people just go and buy a new part that they broke. And then, you know, I started getting into learning how to fix foam and, and, you know, our common thing that we usually say is, you know, uh, you know, make foam our B I T C H. Right. (laughs) And, you know, basically don't be afraid of it. Just get some glue in there, just shape on it, grab some spackle, you know, sand away and then spray paint it. And you'll never even know that it was broken. Correct. Um, or a little hot water, let, you know, bring the foam back out, you know, um, that kind of thing. And as it turns out, it was the same, not exactly the same, but it's kind of similar with the fiberglass. And that's what I thought was very amazing. Yeah, it is kind of amazing, and and it was a good opportunity to, um, you know, take a look at it, have you kind of jump into it. Um, I'm passing along a lot of the stuff I had from Spencer. Yeah, he's Spencer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, having watched him take wrecked airplanes, turn around, jump right back in, fix them all up, you know, it's amazing to watch that. So after having spent time with him, now I'm passing that along to you. Yeah, and it's been real nice because the uh, Amazon guy's been showing up at my house, and it's been very nice. Except for the day that it rained really, really bad, and I Becky comes walking in with these two packages, and they're just stripping wet. They're just soaked. Oh, and, that's true. And then she goes, did you know the guy just, you know, I just picked these up outside, and I go, oh, what, right at the door? And she's like, no, out in the middle of the driveway. And I'm like, the middle of the driveway? She's like, yeah, they, they, the guy just dropped it. He, he didn't even get out of his car. He just dropped them out the door, you know, and then drove off and they were just out there getting soaked. And I'm like, no way. And so I, I called you up and I told you the story. And then you sent me a picture saying, oh yeah, your picture, you, you know, your stuff got dropped off. And lo and behold, what did I see, Mike? Yeah. You saw a picture of the package sitting behind the gate. Right. So folks, just to let you know, we have, you know, people do gates down here in Texas across their driveways. Well, our gates wide open. Um, so people can come in and out as they please, but he dropped it in front of the gate as you drive in. And then he took a picture. <laughs> he took the time to walk, walk around the gate, take a picture through the gate with the, with the thing on the other side, like, Oh, I couldn't get to your door cause the gate was closed, you know, and took a picture of it and said, Oh, look. And then, and then he got back in the truck and drove off, but he could have just walked 15 feet. If I took another picture from a different angle, he could have just walked 15 feet to my house and put it underneath a covered deck, you know, un, uh, you know, awning type thing. I couldn't believe it. I was just yeah, like, wow. It was pretty funny though. You know, that guy, yeah. he covered his butt, you know, so if, you know, if I complained it, they, he'd pull up the picture and say, see, I, I tried to get to your house, but I couldn't cause the gate was closed and right. I would have nothing. That was crazy. Anyway, sorry folks. Nah, it was a uh, getting off on a tangent, but it was pretty funny. So we uh, were trying to, you know, talk to each other about this thing and, and i was kind of like oh my gosh this would be a very difficult time for you know to fight this guy in court because the picture that he actually took looks totally different than what actually happened and what actually happened you know jay kind of explained what actually happened and so therefore you know I, I started laughing because i got i i basically got the um you know the picture on my amazon account since i had sent you stuff and and, you know, now it was something that we can make fun of each other for. So it was kind of good. You know, it was it was it was humorous. Yeah. Uh, but the packages were wet. Luckily, they were inside some foam thing and that worked out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, it, it just they disintegrated and they started to open. Plus, they were very light and we were having uh, hail and um, uh, a few tornadoes in the area. So the wind right. was gusting. So really, right. if any good wind came along, it would have picked those little packages up and flung them. You know, <laughs> he could have. He could wherever. literally have thrown them as far as, you know, he could have thrown them to the porch. There's nothing breakable in them. But right. uh, anyway, we digress. Yeah. So we were talking about a little bit about the um, the project that we were, you know, kind of doing. You, you set me up for success because you didn't, you know, I you were asking me, like, you know, what glues I had, what epoxies I had. If I had certain things, metal, urgy, metal, metal glaze. Metal glaze. Something. So I. I was like, I didn't know what you were talking about. And you're like, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> and so you sent me like, I don't know, a 55 gallon drum enough to, you know, for me to use for the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't know if it was a 55 my gallon drum, but lives. it was close. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, uh, so you sent me 
You sent me not just a regular five-minute epoxy. You sent me uh, finishing uh, Correct. epoxy. So what, what's the difference between finishing epoxy and just regular 30-minute epoxy? Well, finishing epoxy is a little th- um, it's thinner, and it has a, kind of a self-leveling property to it. So when you put it on, it, 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 it kind of creates this really smooth glass. It has a little bit longer working time as far as the 5-minute, 30-minute, or 20-minute, 30-minute. This one has about a 35, 45-minute. Right. Uh, but, but it is a thinner. It's not really goopy thick. It's got more of a consistency of milk, maybe, uh, than glue. Does that make sense? Right, right. Yeah. And then you also sent me, um, <laughs> so like I said, folks, just there are weird things that just started showing up in my thing. He sent me popsicle <laughs> sticks, yes. Well, and it said peckers on it. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then you sent me uh, also, I thought another weird thing, uh, rubber razor blades. Uh, they were plastic, actually. Okay, plastic, mm-hmm. uh, which was really weird. And then um, in that same package or the, uh, with that package, it was a, I can't even call it a dog bowl, but it was a, a plastic sheet of, it, I, it reminded me of a, like, you know, a painter's palette or whatever, you know, when they put their thumb through it yep. and they, they like dab their paints off, but it, but it's curved, right. like, kind of like a bullish, but not too bad, but I, I, it made no sense to me whatsoever. And I'm just staring at the stuff going, oh, I, <laughs> I, I have no idea if this was a gag you're, you're punking me or what? I was punking you. What can I say? Yeah, but it turned out they were pretty they're pretty useful things. So, and this all had to do with the metal glaze stuff. So, why don't you tell us what what metal glaze is all about? So, the finishing epoxy, uh, you know, has to be mixed, and so I sent some little mixing cups. Oh, that's right, medicine cups. Right, and uh, they're very easy to mix with a popsicle stick. And so, uh, basically, we weigh out the epoxy. Uh, you know, we start up with a popsicle stick, and then. One of the things that didn't show up that I could have sworn I ordered was acid brushes because I use these little black acid brushes to, you know, spread the finishing epoxy on. Right. And so for folks who don't know what that is, they're basically like aluminum, aluminum handled brushes um, that have a real coarse, not horse hair, but it is synthet- horse hair. Or, or they're synthetic. I couldn't tell which, but they're really coarse right. hair, brush type brush. And they're meant for one-time use. Well, we ended up having to use uh, we used them multiple <laughs> know, times right. because uh, that was the one order that hasn't shown up yet or it didn't get ordered. Right. Well, so anyway, we uh, the other thing that I sent you was a body filler. It's called Metal Glaze. It uh, comes as a two-part hardener, and then it has the uh, the actual um, you know the epoxy. It's a polymer type uh, glaze. Well, body filler, I guess. And then I sent you a palette to mix it with. And the reason that I sent you that is because it's a ABS plastic. Yeah, and that's really important. Right. You don't, you don't realize it. You can use paper, actually. Or cardboard as a matter or fact, Or cardboard, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's funny because Spencer uses old magazines uh, after he's done with, like, you know, his... AMA magazine. <laughs> AMA magazine or whatever <laughs> AMA is. Yeah, uh, then he'll he'll just use the page, rip the page out, go to the next page. But he does have one of those pallets, too. And so the, what the pallet does is it, with that ABS plastic, the well, polymer. First, we'll tell, just talk about the metal glaze and what happens when you, because this stuff, let me tell you, as opposed to, like, doing epoxy and you go, ah, one-to-one, if you get a little wrong, it still kind of works. And with this metal glaze. Yeah, it doesn't work A little, way. you know, the old adage, if a little works, a lot more will be better, is not the same here. No, folks. not at all. So so it's a, it's basically for body filling on cars and airplanes and that kind of thing. Any any larger thing that you're painting, this is a, um, a polymer body filler. And so the way you mix it is you put a little bit of the metal glaze on the on the palette, and then you have a hardener, and the hardener comes in different colors. We got the blue one, and so you put a little bit of hardener on there. Take your popsicle sticks. And, well, and what do you mean by a little? Because that, that if you told me on the phone, just put a little in there. If if you weren't here, and and you told me over the phone, just put a little in there, Jay, and I would put my what I think a little is. I w- it would have just hardened right up on me instantly. Right, yeah. So a, li- a little is probably a drop. Yeah. 
it's amazing, folks. This stuff, heart, you know, if you go over or you try to do a one-to-one type of setup, that stuff will harden by the time you do like three stirs. And it will harden as hard as a rock. Well, it seems like it's a rock, but <laughs> yeah, it's a sandable like, rock. It's a lot softer than a rock, yeah. but it's close. So, yeah, you just put a little drop. And then what I do is I just drag my popsicle stick right through the, the hardener. And then you start mixing it into the, the metal glaze. And the metal glaze is kind of a greenish color. And the hardener is blue. So you're going to turn into a, like an aquamarine color. And and then that's probably the correct consistency. And then you probably have about mm, five minutes or so before it yeah, starts to harden. About five minutes. If you, the more you put in there, the that quicker. five minutes goes down to about a minute <laughs> or less. Or less. Yeah. If you if you did a, an exact one to one, you probably would use a use all your hardener. Well, I wouldn't because I bought like a yeah, thirty five ounce tube tub or something. Yeah, you know, big tub of this stuff. Uh, but it, it would bas- basically that's what it would do. You know, it hardens up. So anyway, you mix this up, and it, and it it comes like a cream. It's actually a consistency of like butter. It looks yeah. more like a butter. And then uh, the the plastic um, razor blade. Yeah, plastic razor blades. The the only reason I got those is because you can get them on a a hundred for like a dollar, and the plastic works really well. It doesn't. You know, you can wipe this stuff off. Um, I have used metal. I know Spencer uses metal. He's got a couple of them laying around, and alcohol will clean them off. But the plastic ones, to me, worked a little bit better. And, and they safer. come with a little handle. Yeah. And and like you said, when you're putting this on and you're trying to get a thin layer, thick or thin laser layer, having that razor blade type tool works really, really well. Right. It does work really well. So we took your uh, the key cat and we looked at, uh, actually, it was your glider. Yes, the glider. Yeah, sorry was, about that. We did more work on the glider for that. So he has a speedy glider that we got how many years ago? Man, you've had that thing forever. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. I'd say almost a decade. Yeah, so about 10 years ago. He he got it. I put it together when we were up in Alaska, and then you went and flew it once. 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 Yep. Right, tip stalled on me. Right. And so... All the web boards said that the wing saddle was really weak, and you should strengthen it up. But a decade ago, working with fiberglass would have been a little troublesome, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I said, there's that. that black magic stuff. I, I knew nothing about it. Right. And that, that, so instead of uh, you know strengthening it up, you just said, I'm going to go fly it. Well, I was going to go fly it, and I figured we could strengthen it up later, Yeah. right? And the crash wasn't like, you know, wham, smash 500 miles an hour into a tree. Right. It just tip stalled as we were taking off, and it just did a little tumble. I mean, not a tumble. It just kind of rolled over, and it shouldn't have done that much damage, but it just ripped the wing saddle right out of the plane, just, you know, and that kind of <laughs> shattered, you know, because it, you know, it was all pristine, had this great, you know, a gel glass on you know, gel coat on it. And it yeah. you know, fractured that, yeah. and it was just like I was just like, oh my gosh, it, so much damage from just a minor, you know, or hard, you know, hard landing. Wow. So yeah, that it was pretty devastating. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. So it got put on the shelf, but yet you kept it. Yeah, well, I did because I figured at the time um, I knew the, the right. guy up in Alaska who did great work with uh, with fiberglass, and I was I was hoping to get him to help. That me didn't happen it. though. And yet you carried it all the way to Texas. I did. That's true. Yeah, it got uh, shipped all the way down here. I had the, you got to keep the faith, Mike. You got to keep the faith. <laughs> well, he knew that at some point, someday in the near future, it was going to come back and be able to help him out. And so here I am. So the the other thing that it did is punch the nose in. Oh yeah, I, yeah, broke the uh, uh, punched in the firewall. Correct. So the it, it was a piece of wood and it had a fiberglass on top. And then the motor mounts through the middle of it, and all that was just shattered. I mean, it was all broken inside. The wood was all falling apart, and, and there was huge cracks in the front. So, what did you see happen when I took it off the shelf? Um, are you talking about when uh, the nose? Yeah. Oh, oh. So uh, the next thing I know, you, you whipped out a saw, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And and you're like, "What?" <laughs> and next thing I hear is, and you you hacked it off like a crazy man. 
Yeah. And I'm like, should, shouldn't you measure something? Should you take a picture, like, you know, with a, with your iPhone? <laughs> should you do something? <laughs> and he's just like, hack, 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 hack. He's just got this gleeful glint as you're just hacking off pieces. And I'm like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> Mike's lost it, you know, because I, I was thinking he had to measure and, like, you know, take measurements and weigh things. And, uh, and you're just hacking stuff off, not even giving a care. Yeah, but amazingly, it looks beautiful. So, I'm, like I said, it's still a little bit of black magic to me, but it's it was cool to see the process. So there were two things: we hacked off the nose, including the wood behind the nose, and then there was uh, there's a little vent up front, and and it had a crack in it, and then the saddle was missing. So the first thing we did is jump on the saddle. We took a piece of balsa wood and we measured it for the saddle, put it all in there, tacked it in. No, uh, hardwood. We, it was a hardwood 10 by 10. Oh, that's right. Uh, it was hardwood. Right. Yeah, and then hardwood. we took the uh, pink foam. Then we took a pink foam and we made the curve that sits on top. And then we took uh, some fiberglass, finishing epoxy, and we made the little saddle. And we, we just kind of built it up. Now, quick so, question. Um so one of the reasons we had to do this was because, of course, in this move, yes, I brought the, you know, the plane and all the major parts. I could have sworn I had the piece of the saddle that actually broke out. And, of right. course, I'm going to discover it the second you leave the house and, you know, go, when you take a trip and head back home, I'm going to find that saddle. But uh, if we had found the saddle, would it have been, be- would it had been better to, to take that or quicker, you know, to use that piece broken piece to put it back in either to use it as a mold or to or could we have just laid glass over that and fixed that i you know i was just wondering if it would have been better you know if i would have had it uh the answer to that is yes or no oh (laughs) i was going to say ak hates when i answer questions so hey uh should i use this escape yes no you (laughs) you can use it but you shouldn't or you know well okay so here's the problem with this you'd have to look and see how much damage was done so you know if you if the saddle was all one piece and it broke off fairly you know clean, you could probably put it back in tack well not really tack weld it but you could use CA tack it into place now use a piece of glass over it you know and do that but if it was shattered or broken multiple pieces you just kind of have to shape it you know put it in there you you don't want to take you know broke pieces and kind of try to hopefully put them back together just just use something new right okay but if if the piece is big enough that you can salvage it and it'll fit in the hole and you just trim up the broke areas then that's better kind of like the um the landing gear we were talking about last week right you know i i I couldn't really salvage the broken parts but i was able to cut outside of those and then you know just replace everything in metal make it look better so back to the nose uh i took a you know, cutting wheel, and I cut the nose off with all the wood and everything. And so now you have this big hole in the front of your glider. And the look on Jay's face was classic because after I did that, and it was a quick, you know, just a big whiz wheel, and I just went right through there, and it was off, and it, his face just looked like, oh, my gosh, you just destroyed my glider. <laughs> well, I did that, but anyway. <laughs> you just made it It's just like, well, if you, you've proven a point. That's true. That it's... You, you did destroy it, but I made it <laughs> That's worse. That's right. right. I was just exactly. like, wow. Yeah. We are not we are not going backwards from that. You know, that whole thing of measuring twice or what is it? Measure three times. Cut, yeah. Measure cut, twice. Cut that was out the window with that one. Cut once. Thank That's you, Mike. It. So, yeah, that was out the window with this this particular job. There was no measuring. There was no twice. There was no nothing. As he's watching TV. I'm like, wow. <laughs> well, so honestly, I just cut right on the edge of where the, you know, the nose made the corner. Right. And, and so it wasn't like I cut way back and had to rebuild Yeah, yeah but I was expecting you to, like, measure it and then, you know, kind of figure out the circumference of, you know, an angle or yeah. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But there was none of that. So, I mean, you were just using a Mark mark 1 eyeball, <laughs> you know, to figure out where you're going to cut. And, I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a smooth, even cut. You know what I mean? It, it, it was, right. kind, you know, right. it was kind of like you cutting off a tin can, you know, or a top of a can. You know, it wasn't – it was jagged. It was – you know, it just, it just, it, I, I was, I was just, you know, flabbergasted because I'm like, how are we going to fix, how are we going to fix that? There's no way, right. but there is a way. There is. And so we uh, had swung by Michael's and picked up some one and a half inch uh, wooden discs 
and they're perfectly cut and a little slightly, you know, large, larger than the hole. Yeah. Just larger than the hole. So we took your um, your sander. We cleaned out the inside of there to kind of smooth it all over. And I slid that disc in perfectly around to where it was lined up because it has a hard edge around the circle. And now that we had the hard edge on the circle and I measured it all the way around, that jagged part that Jay was talking about is kind of laying on top of the wood uh, on the outside of the circle. And then I, I set it up on his tail, and I, t- I told Jay, okay, mix up some epoxy, and I cut up a bunch of, um, you know, little squares. A fiberglass. Fiberglass squares, and I said, okay, here we go. So you coated the wood, laid your first square, and you laid about, what, probably about six of those? Yeah, and yeah, uh, one of the them. important things that I learned, and what other fiberglassing that I've done, and it wasn't very successful nor strong, you know, I didn't realize that you want to change the direction of the weave as you're laying it down. So if you if you put it down from, you know, from 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock and the weave's kind of going that direction, you don't want to lay down the next piece of cloth at the same angle. You want to go from, you know, 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock with, with, the, with the weave of the, of the cloth. Or, or just, you know, from 2 o'clock to 7 o'clock. You, you just want to put it off from what what way you put down the last one right so there's kind of a misnomer there if you're gonna because certain things will require you to do the to the same like if i was making a canoe or making a long pontoon you want everything going the same direction right but if you have a a complex curve you know kind of a curve in order to strengthen that what i do and and someone you know out there that does this professionally may tell me something totally different but very similar, if you look at the types of um, fiberglass that I have, you have a, a real lightweight and you have a real heavyweight, then there's actually harder, on, at least on mine, there's thicker fibers going one way and thinner fibers going the other way. And it, but it makes like a little square. And so on a complex curve, I'll roll it around, and then I'll take another piece and put it opposite where the thicker strands are kind of going across. And I know with like carbon fiber, if you saw carbon fiber, you can see it you know, where they lay it. And um, and so I, I don't know if it makes that big of a difference if you're doing something small. I just do it to kind of put more layers on, you know, the complex part. Because if you looked under a microscope at the, the fiberglass, it's going to look like a square. So you really can't, you know, turn the square one way or the other. They look, the, right. they look square, right? Um, but, but if you move the square over to where it's, you know, the next square is in the middle of this square, kind of move them over it, it like a stair steps them if that makes sense right. and uh so whether that helps or not that's just the way i do it um i'm sure our listeners can call what number mike <laughs> oh, that's right yes at 830-444-4943 and that is correct. they could leave their voicemail uh, leave a voicemail for us and you know what if they leave their phone number i think there's a good chance we'll contact you and uh yes. maybe even i'll have you on the show so if that's what you want, then, you know, that's another good way. Or you can just not leave your phone number and leave a kind, you know, easy to listen to message. So anyway, back to the story. So we, uh, we glassed the whole thing and came back about uh, two or three hours later. And now we've got fiberglass everywhere you know, because part of it got the epoxy. And then there's part that he wrapped around the body that doesn't have any epoxy on it. And now we need to get all that off. So I handed him the block sander and said, go to work. Yeah, and that was kind of neat because I didn't know that fiberglass with no fiberglass, without any epoxy on it, will sand right off and, you know, drop away. So that was kind of cool to see that happen. So once again, it's not the, the dry part that doesn't have epoxy. That, that's fabric, right? right. You're not gonna, that's just going to tear apart with sandpaper. But then the fiber that actually touches the, the part, if I can sand that fiber and let it, you know, kind of release, then the rest of that part falls right, away. Right, right, right. So that's what you did. You just sanded it around the disc, and then all of the extra stuff just kind of fell off. You can use your knife uh, and just cut it all off or your scissors or whatever. We did all that stuff, too. Um, so now you've got this rough-look uh, nose, rough-looking nose, and uh, handed it to the sander and just had you kind of sand 
all of the right, but it still looked nice rough. It, it didn't look, you know, it wasn't even. It still looked, you know, kind of jankety. Um, mm-hmm. And then you kind of whipped out the metal glaze and said, well, look at this. And then, you know, started mixing up some of that and slapping that on there. And and, mm-hmm. and, and the part that also kind of amazed me, folks, I thought we were going to let the fiberglass set up for a day, two days. I didn't realize we were able to do this all at once. It seemed like all at once to me. You know, it was still. With, yeah, it was a half a day. Yeah, it was all within the same day. Yeah. You know, things got not super dry, but I mean, you know, they, they tacked up, got firm, you know, for the epoxy. But, you know, it's, I know we were putting metal glaze on stuff and then learning about that or gooping it on. And then next thing you know, it's some sandpaper and a little little elbow grease. And then you don't have to do much. I mean, it's kind of amazing how it dries very, very hard. But like Mike was saying. You know, it dries hard as a rock, but a sandable rock, and and the stuff just falls away when you you put you apply uh, sandpaper to it, and you have to kind of be careful because you can just sand back down to bare nothing again right. if you're not too careful. Right. Well, so th- there it was several. You know, I think the bad news about being here is that once we get doing something, next thing you know, it's three in the morning. <laughs> so I, I think it was a little farther than what it seemed. You know, it seemed like we were doing it, and then. 30 minutes later, we were doing something else. But it actually did wind up being probably, you know, six six hours later. We just didn't think about it that way. But uh, so we, we put the metal gaze around the nose, the metal glaze around the nose. And as a result, we got back to the block and, and started sanding it. And then I had Jay, close your eyes, run your finger around the metal yeah, glaze. Yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing. And so he, he could feel just tactily all the little bumps in the metal glaze. And I said, okay, you need to sand all that till you can't fill it anymore. And it's not like and you have to sit, sit there for five hours sanding, you know, it's no. not like you're on, you know, sanding like an Oak piece. It's quite <laughs> literally, I mean, you, you had to watch that you didn't want to put too much pressure on it. Right. I mean, you know what, if I was sanding on a piece of Oak, if I would have done that, I would have just taken all the metal glaze right off. Have you ever used that stuff, Mike? No, I never have. But if you want to call and talk about it more, you would just dial 830-444-4943. <laughs> well, it is an amazing product. I love it. Uh, Spencer loves it. We have a really great time with it, and uh, it does an amazing job. So the next day after we got it all sanded out, I took it out and put a coat of paint on it. And we'll have to post a picture of it oh, because yeah. Yeah, most definitely. it it looked amazing. And I think Jay was pretty impressed. I was. I was. Yeah. So then we took the old piece and we matched it with the new piece. Right. And we drilled the new holes. Yep. Yep. We did that. Um, yeah. We didn't exactly have the, you know, uh, bit, the largest bit that we needed. That was kind of an interesting uh, solution to that. We used the old True. prop reamer to. Get the dimensions we needed, but uh, yeah, it, it worked out pretty good. And the the cool part was, um, we figured out the motor we were supposed to be using. I, I found the motor, I figured it out, and then slapped that in. And didn't look like it was going to fit, but sure enough, it fit. And it looks like everything's going to schedule. I, I think uh, within another you know month, less than a month, we'll probably have that thing back up and flying again. There you go, and much stronger. Yep, absolutely. I think the good news is is that you learn that, you know, like dealing with foam, fiberglass isn't all that bad either. And it's in some ways easier than dealing with foam. Right. So, uh, you know, sometimes with foam, like you said, uh, you can use the boil technique to try to re- unredo something. But if something's really damaged, well, you know, you got to kind of finagle it, cut out a piece of foam, stuff it in there. It doesn't look that good. Foam sometimes can be hard to to sand or it's too easy to sand that you go to sand it and then the foam beads break apart and it's very frustrating and with this stuff like you said the great part is if you mess up you put put some more metal glaze on it and start over again and start sanding it you you know you can't really mess it up yeah so in spencer's case you know something got messed up or whatever he just takes his whiz wheel to it and start cuts it out and starts it over So it's almost unlike foam where if you, you know, if you screwed it up and you, you could actually cut the foam out and start over, I guess. But, uh, 
you know, you're dealing with having to actually cut a bigger piece of foam, and then every time you mess it up, you have to make a bigger piece to kind of fit in that right. hole. Okay, Where wait, this you could cut whiz, out exactly. Whiz wheel? He's talking about the Dremel tool. Uh, Dremel. Dremel. Oh, okay. oh whiz wheel. All yeah, right. wh- whizzer wheel. With the cutting cutting wheel. <laughs> cutting wheel, that's the correct term. Yeah, thank you, Jay. Hey, thank you. So, but anyway, it was it's it's been a good time so far. We learned a lot. Uh, I think Jay has fallen in love with the metal glaze. I have, and uh, it's a great product. But but you it does take a little bit of. Um, I think his wife is getting be mad. used to. You. Why is she mad? Because you fell in love with the metal glaze. I mean, come on. Oh, but I still I still like her chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Oh, man. <laughs> Anyway, so that that was like the first day or two was just uh, doing that. And then, uh, of course, um, one of the other reasons why you came down, it just kind of worked out. Fate was kind of funny. Um, I had kind of was poking around on Craigslist, and we found a, I found a thing or two, and I sent it to you and uh, AK, uh, AK Mike as well about right. uh, a guy who had a horde of uh, planes and such. And uh, he had some tools that you had been talking about over the past couple of podcasts. And I was like, holy crap, this guy's got everything. I need to call Mike. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't sound like, we, you know, we were going to get here. I didn't know if the guy was going to, you know, be able to make it. But um, I ended up sending him a, uh, a text and he replied back to me. And then we started talking. Um, his name is Prescott. And he... He basically was like, hey, you know, I, I have these planes. I have some, you know, a bunch of old-timer planes, and I have a bunch of tools and stuff. I'm not sure what all of they are, and, you know, and, and, uh, and I'm not sure what these old-time planes, you know, what their names are or, or, you know, what they are. So he sent me some pictures, and I recognized a couple of them as Carl Goldberg aircraft. And so I sent him some pictures of what they looked like, and he goes, hey, yeah, this kind of matches this. And sure enough, you know, we were able to figure things out. So, uh like I said, everything kind of lined up, and Mike and I jumped in the car and went down to see Prescott and, you know, helped him out with a few more planes, and we uh, he was actually selling a bunch of stuff, and I think a few things came home with us, if, to be correct. Yeah, they did. I, I was a little overwhelmed with how many airplanes a guy had. It's like he bought out a hobby store. Very much. Oh, an old hobby store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most everything was a build. I, I felt – I told him, I said, I felt, you know – excited that you have all this stuff but i feel sorry for you too because you know, i mean you know with the stuff that's on sale today who wants to build when you could just buy it out of the box right. and put it an hour and a half an hour later you're you're good to go right, right. this one so. you had to plant the seeds you got to wait for the tree to grow right yeah. but but he did have some not only just old-time planes um which was kind of cool um but he also had plans now that was cool and those plans were amazing. Yeah. So the individual who uh, had owned all this stuff prior, um, he had these. He had a you know original set of plans, and I guess he worked for a printing a printing company or something. And so he would duplicate all the uh, the plans, and then he, he'd put them away and stuff. Right. Right. So it was uh, it was really really cool. Uh, how many plans he had, how many originals, how well the original plans were kept. So, uh, yeah, if he goes and puts those up for sale, I think those are going to be a hot, hot little item once he puts them up on, like, hobby uh, RC groups. Yeah, they were all, um, you know, printed on the blue papers and really big, you know. I, what I what I thought was a really good idea, I told him I should have bought all that stuff and, like, paper um, – Oh, the wallpapered my shop. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, that would have been really that cool because those cool. were big, huge original RC plans from all these different planes. It was really cool. Oh, yeah. So, but I, I was more interested in the I was more interested in the tools section. Yep, yep. I had like a Microlux store. Yep, which you have to uh, now. You're the owner of the Microlux store. Which yes, <laughs> that is correct. Now I'm a, I am now the new owner of the Microlux store. Most excellent. Well, <laughs> I was kind of happy because um, I, I don't know if the, the listeners will remember, but I had an old uh, Great Plains Cherokee, which I had uh, back in Alaska that I brought with me down to Texas. And I had a brownout in my receiver. I had an orange receiver and it browned out on me. 
and just let's, total that play. Yeah, but let's not and, give the orange receiver a bad name. It wasn't the orange receiver's fault. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, you have to okay. admit that the, the, the average the, coming the, out the of RC. that the average coming out of that escape wasn't enough to feed that thing with all them servos connected into it. You were doing some yeah. tricky well, maneuvering I, with just I about could. every servo when that thing rounded up. That's just my thinking. Sounds like there's more to this story oh, yeah. than people I are. Think uh, that's, yeah, I mean that he's I letting think on, that's right? True. That's true. Well, that's true, but I I I did miss the aircraft because I had it for so long, and, and it was like one of those models that um, I hadn't really crashed it ever, and it worked, and it just worked really well, and it it flew well, and I I don't I just enjoyed it. It wasn't like the fastest, it wasn't the most acrobatic. It it just was a good fun plane that I enjoyed flying. Um, so he had one, and I was able to I was able to get the plane, uh, the kit again because you know they're discontinued and. And so he had one. So that was really nice. And, hey, Mike, uh, we also almost found a motor for you for one of your new projects. Yeah. You sent me that picture, and I was like, what is this thing? It turns out it was a brushed motor for my plane. I guess the plane I have, the, I think it's a BD-15 or BD-something. BD-5. BD-5B. Uh, and it needed a high-max high motor. And I guess the one that Jay found was the one that was originally intended for that Right, for the Hi-Max was the correct. replacement for a Speedy Four Hundred. Speed Four Hundred. So yeah, so he this oh guy had God. a couple of them, and that's why I took the that was the first picture I sent you, and I said, "Oh look, we got the motor you need," or whatever, and you were like, "What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> I, <laughs> like, I, I owned a Speed Four Hundred at one point, but yeah. I got rid of it. Yeah. Well, it's a brush motor, so I mean, the even though the airplane was meant to fly on that, flying it on a brushless motor is going to be that much better, right? Oh but yeah, it was for just sure. funny because we were looking for the motor, and then no, we just had to walk I, I, it's funny, funny that you found it. it. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of well, funny. Not only I, one, but we found like three. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, with I, the I would keep, I would keep yep, brushed escapes though. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, ESCs speed controllers, ESCs because um, because they work great for like when you're making switches, like right. you mm-hmm. need a switch, and they're great for that. So I've kept my brush. Uh, uh, ESCs. Oh, that's pretty cool. And you, I use I use my ME one sixty three to light to light up the uh, little Estes rocket in the back. It worked it worked fantastically. Very very cool. Well, once again, well, uh, just want to send a shout out to Prescott and you know thanks for uh, hosting us for a few hours because we sat there and we went through all all of his stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, we did. Uh, and his girlfriend was kind enough to put up with our antics while we we're, you know, taking his time away to uh, look at all the planes and all the gadgets. Because that's the other part. There was every type of gadget you can imagine because, you know, it was the little knickknack things that also kind of piled up in our, you know, got in our, our, our bags right, as we right. were uh, heading out. So, yeah, that was a good day. I, I felt I felt a little bad though because his girlfriend was looking at us and we were dragging all of that stuff out after she probably had put it all in these little cubby holes got it all out and we drug it all back out. <laughs> I felt bad. So um, I didn't want to talk about this because I'm kind of embarrassed, but I decided that Uh-oh. I'm going to talk about it. Well, I'm brand new to retracks, never used them okay. before, uh, and don't you know. I, I know how they work, but never really used them before. And so I was putting okay. some together, and I was doing some testing. And I used the I I used the um I used the servo, servo tester per- incorrectly. Yep. Yes. So okay. So, I, so so aside from the fact that I used it incorrectly, which ended up destroying the servo the retracts, what I what I came to really want to find out was. How, you know, somebody who's never done work with retracks before, there's not really a lot of information out there. I mean, I, I Googled around a little bit to try to find stuff, and I suppose if I tried a lot harder, I could have found some more technical information. But, like, the instruction manual mm-hmm. for the for the retracks doesn't really say what the voltage limits are on a retract. If it had said that, I probably okay. wouldn't have made the mistake I made. But it's not really their fault. It's mine. I'm taking the blame here. It's it's my responsibility to figure that stuff out, but you know it's not really obvious what what you have to do. So first thing in the receiver when, with the servo tester is you got to use an escape, an ESE. So you got to <laughs> use an ESE, and uh, if you don't, that's 
going to create problems for you. That's 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 for okay. Us. So I don't I don't use an ESC on my servo tester, which is probably why I didn't. You know, because I've watched you do it a thousand times. Uh, where you just plug I, I in use a, battery a specific battery though. But, I use a four point six to a six volt hey, battery. But but hey, that's not something I would have necessarily paid attention to from a detail perspective. Correct. I might I might have expected different things, and so just bad assumptions on my part again. Mm-hmm. My fault. My issue. So what size battery did you use? I don't don't remember. It was too big for it. I know that. 12 volt. 12 volt battery? Probably. Maybe a a three cell. The funny thing is, is wait, the the, uh, servo tester says it takes 3 to 5 volts or 12 volts on the side of it. The servo tester does, yeah. So I thought, okay, cool. It it just expects this kind of voltage, and it's going to send out the right kind of voltage on the servo side. But no, that's not how it works. No. It, no. it doesn't work that way. So that was my, again. Uh, so I, I will tell you that fault. the JR servos, the new JR servos that come out are almost 12 volt. They're 12 volt servos. And so the servo testers now have to be 4 volt, 6 volt, um, 7.4, 8.4, and then 12. So Or 9 and then 12. So it runs the whole gamut. But it's just going to pass through the voltage. Right. So if your servo is a 6-volt servo or an 8-volt servo, high-voltage servo, you can put 7.4 volts and run this the servo because that's what it's running another one of those conversations that we're having after the problem happened. I hate these conversations. After they the fact? After the problem mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, well. I mean, these are stupid <laughs> conversations because I already know it's not right. No, I mean, no, but you right. know, you bring up a good point. I don't want. I don't want to have that conversation. I want to have the conversation before that stuff happens, and that's really kind of a bummer that the that the community doesn't that that there isn't more like stuff that talks about that kind of thing because a guy could spend some money breaking stuff. This is one example. There are yeah. other examples you could use uh, that that are very similar to this. That if you don't know ahead of time, it's like it's. Oh, you know what? That's easy. I've heard this a thousand times from, from people in the RC people. That's really easy. Here's what you do. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, that's great. And I'm glad that you told me that. But how did you know that? Oh, well, I ruined this, that, or the other thing. Exactly. That's my point. Right. And so it's unfortunate that we don't have that. But on the other hand, maybe you shouldn't be playing with this stuff if you don't know what you're doing. I don't know. It's, well, it's you know what? There's always an option to move up, right? I mean, you you fly mostly with fixed gear, and you want to start flying with, you know, retractable gear. And there's four or five different types of retractable gear. So this is a good opportunity to learn about it. But I will tell you that in this industry, if you know someone that is familiar with it, maybe. <laughs> someone you know personally, uh, give them a call and say, hey, look, right? I've got these servos, and you did. And I, I have to say, you sent us an email or you sent a text. Or, I mean, text, actually. And it said, hey, wow, look at these servos. These are really, or this retract, sorry. These are really nice retracts. And I made a comment about it. I said, wow, those are really, really nice. What I should have said was, hey, what are those voltage on those servos? Or on the serverless retracts? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get it. I don't know. I wouldn't know because I look. Here's the thing in the manual in there, nothing about it. Nothing right. about it. Right. So At my all. assumption would always be 4 point something volts. But my point is, you would have that assumption. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you don't. I did. Right. I didn't have that assumption. So right. well, I ended right. up the, breaking them. The funny or unfunny thing about, just like with accidents, right? It's never the bolt of something out of. You know, happens. You get hit by the redwood tree, breaks, and you know, falls on your house type of thing. There's always this chain of events, and the the way the chain. Now, here's the thing, Mike. You've been doing the wrong thing. Not you just didn't start yesterday. You've been doing this for a long time, but you've been very, very lucky. And so you've not you haven't you you haven't had a chance to release the blue smoke on some something very cheap. Right, it had to be the 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 most because those were nice retracts. Well, well, well. Let's let's make it clear though the the retracts are expensive because of the struts that came with them. Right, right. Not because of the retracts Correct. themselves. Right, so, but so, but right, but it right, didn't right. it didn't happen it didn't happen with like uh, I don't know five gram servos that were three dollars. 
or yeah. two dollars. You know, it that it always with an well, accident. It, does, it doesn't happen with. They're expensive from the word go, right? Just because right. they're, they're mm-hmm. it's yeah. a motor and a this and a that and all that stuff that comes with it. And well, you can't just buy. Stuff, you you can't just buy the new board. The gears themselves can run yeah. into the thousands of dollars. And you can't just buy the board itself and replace it because I could do that. I could no. disassemble of these not. things and and uh, replace the. Well, board. that's not but true. You can on some. Well, yeah, yeah not on the okay. ones that he got. Though. You can on some, not on the ones you, you have. Now you but I, I've it. seen. Yeah, I have you, some metal ones. But now you've quali- Yeah, but now you've qualified it. That you so, can replace so the board. You have to have special ones to do that with. Okay, but those are going to be like four times more expensive in the first place, because you can do that. Probably. Yeah. So, but that's okay. I mean, I, it, the reality is that. So the problem that I had was okay. I break these and I try to go find them, and of course the ones that these were made were, aren't aren't in stock anymore. Now I don't even know. How do I even know how to replace them? How do you figure ah, out? Interesting, because I found what, them in about uh, 20 minutes. Yeah, and, and that, here's the second thing that happened. Is Mike said, oh, yeah, I found those. It took me two seconds. It's like, really? How did you do that? <laughs> I used a serial number. <laughs> the what? The serial number. It was right in the picture that you sent me. What are you talking yeah, it about? Yeah, was. Serial number. I was like, that makes no sense at all. So, so anyway, you know, this is the kind of thing that's, that I feel like, who would know to do that? Well, Mike does, obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> is there anybody else? I don't know. Maybe some of the other guys that, that are listening to you. I don't know. But we're we're talking right. to park flyer people right here, right now. And so maybe well, now true. we're going to elevate sure our audience them a little is bit, than right? That, but there there might be people that have, you know, are familiar with how to do that. Well, remember before we started this podcast, and if there was something we didn't know, we'd get on RC groups on one of the forums. And we'd ask, and that was a, that was a huge help for some of the things or problems that we had back then. So then we got to the point where we were making enough money we could just make the mistakes on our own. We didn't have to ask somebody. <laughs> we just spent the money and and blew up our server. Yeah, I'm missing a finger. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Mike's just to that point now, right? Right. We, we kind of went down that road. There was but plenty you, of time where I printed that new finger. That's working away. fine, right? That 3D yeah, well, but that 3D printer, printer I got that. I, I was able to. Yeah. Not only that, it's a cool finger because it has a retractable little blade where my nail is. Neat, <laughs> <laughs> man. That's funny. Oh my. Well, so did you order new? Did you order? No, new I haven't ordered stuff? anything new yet because um, uh, because I have yet to. I have to go and get my uh, caliper and measure the shaft size and make sure I get the right shaft size to. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Well, that's good news. Well, the good news is, is that you can find the servos that you're looking for. And I think you were telling me that Motion RC carries some. I found some, I found the exact servos that you require uh, without the struts on eBay. And what happened is is that I was able – you sent me a picture. And in the picture on the metal plate in the front of the, of the serverless retract, there is basically a – there's basically a um, – a number, and it's a 003, FF003 slash such and something. Anyway, it's a big, long number that they stamp on that serv- uh, on the serverless retract, and I was able to pull that up and then look for that specific retract number, uh, and it came up on eBay. And this, the FF is uh, some code, but the 030 is the size of the motor inside. And so I got a bunch of little things that had a bunch of motors and, you know, that kind of thing. And so uh, I was able to look it up, and I think they ran, I don't know, 30 or $40 for the set and uh, maybe $20 for the set. So they weren't, like, right. super uber expensive, but they were, uh, you know, available. And then I think Mike called us and said that uh, luckily for him, the part where the retracts go into the airplane uh, basically don't have pre-drilled holes right and that's that's pretty he's lucky there because you were just talking about you know uh retracts from like motion Mm -hmm. and a lot of times because i I remember one of my planes um i did not that i totally burned it up on a servo uh checker but um i think something else was going on i was like oh i'll just buy these you know retracts and i'll just stick them in there and it was it looked when you looked at it and i mark you know mark one eyeballed it it looked like it was going to fit but the holes were slightly off. Yeah, just ever so ever slightly. Ever so slightly off. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't use them. Well, actually, I ended up using them because I was able to use the old retracts, and they have a faceplate 
that it turned right. out that I lucked out that I was able to take the ones off the bad ones, put them on the good ones, and make it work. So it, it ended up working out. But since the kit that Mike has is so old, the good part about that is is that he's able to uh, turn around and uh, you know put them on the put them in place, and they you know they're built to put in you know any kind of retracts in there. So uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, so the good news is that because he doesn't have pre-drilled holes, if he bought the ones from Motion or right. someone else, He'll be able to he can just they'll, they'll be able to right. fit. So his biggest problem is, uh, you know, basically. Whether the strut you, you, will fit in that. Right. That's what you want to find out, Mike, is if the strut actually slides into it. And a lot of times you can just put a, you know, a mic meter on there. And I know he has one. Yeah, everybody. Oh, I think all of us have it. But anyway, you can just put it on there, and if it's a 4.1 millimeter shaft, you know, they can go in there. Uh, in this particular case, uh, there's two types, right? One actually slides over top of a rod that comes out. That's, you know, usually type A or whatever. And then B, type B doesn't have it, and it slides inside. Um, but, you know, in my case, I'm dealing with electric gear, and I'm dealing with air-related right. gear. So each one of them has something slightly different. Uh, so you're, you're just looking for that and, you know, basically trying to figure out if it fits. In Mike's particular case, it worked out because, you know, they didn't have the holes already pre-drilled. He's able to buy something and drop it right in. Well, I, I think for Mike, uh, actually, it's going to be a good couple of podcasts, I think, is coming up with him. Because he's partaking in two different kits, uh, the BD-5 and uh, what's the other one? Do you remember what his other kit is? What's your other kit? The Yak 9? Yeah, the right? Yak. So he has the Yak. And each one has its unique difficulties. So I think it's going to be pretty good uh, for our listeners as we kind yeah. of take Mike through this process because he hasn't built. Um, these are true ARFs, right? So right, even right. though, you know, the plane's covered, but you still have to, you know, glue the, the wings on or you might have to, like, you know, put the servos in and, and you know, it's not totally bare bones and plant a tree, but it's... It's up from that, and they're wooden kits and not, you know, uh, foam. Right. So they they right. still have a little bit of difficulties. And and I and I know Mike was talking to you about the Yak Nine about the uh, the motor, and and so we're gonna have to talk about what kind of motors he's gonna you know get and put in there right. because once again, unfortunately, these the planes that he has, they're not ancient like Prescott has, like you know, <laughs> uh, they're not that old, but they're older, just as brush brushless was happening and so a lot of the the planes you know plans were calling for brushed motors and now you have to figure out well what's the equivalent you know in a brushless system to throw in there so that's going to be kind of interesting and i think i think the um, you know you know the airplanes that he has they called they they're old enough that they called for brush motors one i think the bd5 Mm -hmm. is a brush motor the other one is um you know, some other type of brush motor. So now when you're upgrading, you have to get the right kind right, of motor. Right. And I think that, you know, unfortunately your time is pretty much wrapping up, but we, we can use that as, you know, some, a topic for the next time. We'll oh, yeah, no, that. absolutely. But, um, but, yeah, it's it's been a great time. I think everybody, I mean, it's been a great time kind of sitting here. And, uh, you know, so far we've had a good time. Yeah, and so. unfortunately uh, you're going to have to run out and uh, come back again, right? So I am. Yeah, we're, I we're cutting your, your, your visit short. It is. For yeah, a I got to run days. out. I've uh, been asked to, to help a guy out. I got to um, do something for somebody, and I'll be back in. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be cool. Well, in the so. meantime, uh, I'll be fixing. Uh, unfortunately, we flew today, and I kind of did you a did? boo-boo. And on yeah. your on your beautiful, beautiful 3D aircraft that you painstakingly put together with popsicle sticks, toothpicks, and love, you recreated it. And um, I kind of dropped the Frankenstein baby um, while I was flying it, uh, hard landing, and gave it a, you know. I didn't break the nose off, but it needs a little. I uh, busted a couple I of pieces busted inside, a couple of pieces, so, so I got to go back in there and do some gluing. That's all right. It'll give me something to do when all I get right. back, so, yeah, Well, that'll sure. be something else we could talk about coming up here yeah. in the future. So, anyway, Mike, I'm looking forward to when you come back. Uh, I am, too. All right. So, we'll, uh, we'll do it. Um, well, unfortunately, our time is up, so we're going to have to let you go. But um, we're going to have more shenanigans for you. Oh, yeah. The shenanigans uh, are coming. Yeah. If you have any comments, please jump on our you know, Facebook listeners page mm-hmm. and uh, give us a comment there. Uh, we still have uh, we're 
you know, some con- uh, contest stuff that we're working That's on. That's true. To come out there. We've got uh, a couple of guys uh, reaching out to us that want to help us with that. Uh, you know, we got the number. Give us a call and let us know what you think. And, you know, all those crazy things. We'll, uh, we'll get back with yeah. you as soon as we can. And once again, uh, we were out there at the field, and uh, I was doing a little bit of mowing, and I can definitely tell you, summer is here. It is here. <laughs> it is here, yep. yep. I think you're right. So, so. All right. Well, uh, I'm Michael from here in Arizona. Well, you're not uh, in Arizona. I'm, vis- I'm, I'm actually visiting Texas. So I'm Michael here in Texas with Jay. That's right. And we're both, <laughs> both Mike and me are in the hills of Texas. There you go. And AK Mike in Texas. All right. We'll see you in two weeks. Let's fly. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com.